Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in Lineup Logic. I'm your host, Mike Alexander. With me as always, Alex Ramazowski. How's it going, Alex? It's going pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, excited to get back into some some normal golf this week. Yeah, had the, the World Golf Championship this week uh, down there in Mexico. Pretty good finish there for uh, for an event that uh, of the scale. Lefty taking it home, uh, my guy, Mickelson. Did, you get, did love, you get to see the playoff? I love Mickelson, and I did. I watched that down to the finish, and it was amazing to watch. I think the only thing that could have made it better was some uh, some stake in JT and or Mickelson, or even like Terrell Hatton would have been cool there at the end. Uh, pretty much three guys that I – wouldn't let myself play last week and 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 I heard a little because of it but from a from a golf fan and a Phil fan perspective it was it was great to watch like I don't know I don't know what's happened to me lately with JT but I don't know the moves he pulled uh, he just keeps winning I love like you know the fact we got we got a young hustler winning everything but I was rooting for Phil fully for that last hour or so. Yeah. You know, with, with, with JT, I was not really on him. I thought his ownership was going to be really high. And then Thursday morning, just looking at some resources, it, it, his ownership seemed like it was going to be like rock bottom. So, you know, I, I went in and, and mixed up some lineups, pivoted and got him in some, uh, which I was pretty happy about. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, I I actually thought Jordan Spieth was going to be like the low owned stud option of the week, which he like wasn't. I mean, he wasn't overly owned, but I was surprised to see where JT ended up. And considering everything he's been doing, yeah. I mean, coming like, off a win, I mean, yeah, it's like it's it was almost like you look back and feel stupid if you didn't have him in your lineups. But hey, <laughs> that's what happens. Um. But yeah, with 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 Mickelson winning, yeah, I was, I was kind of glad to see that because one of the things that we talked about 
uh, last week was was staying with your guys. And not that Phil's played <clears throat> poorly at all this year; he's been really good this year. But he, you know, he he's been he's been in contention on Sundays, and he just hasn't won it. And I could see getting away from a guy that that's having that happen. And I didn't. I, I you know, I, I had him in some lineups, so I was real glad to see that happen. The, the week we talked about sticking with your guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's a great point. And if you stay close to the PGA world at all, or listen to anything, he was literally saying, "I'm going to win, and I'm going to win soon." Like you haven't seen the last of me. And he wasn't lying. And then after this win, he goes and says he's going to reach 50 wins. I think he has 43 now. So he's predicting seven more wins in his career as uh, however old he is. And you know what? I wouldn't put it past him looking just like that. It it, it blew my mind, to be honest, that like my one thing was like that course is so tight. And Phil Mickelson, everything you saw out of him last year was him like these crazy punch shots out of the woods up against a tree and like we knew he finished well, but I was like, he can't sustain that if he can't hit a fairway. And he right. went and did the same thing, only a little better, and he won. So, I, well, you know, that, that's the thing about Phil is, I mean, he is always aggressive. He's, he's, you know, a lot of people criticize him for that. And he says, you know what? I've won a lot of golf tournaments and, and, placed in a lot of golf tournaments because of my aggression i'm not going to change that and if you're if you're the the leader in the clubhouse you don't want to see phil's name creeping up that leaderboard because you're going to be sweating yeah yeah and he's not he's not gonna crumble on a sunday very often uh we saw sharma that was a that was a fun thing to watch he's officially going to be playing at the masters, which is going to be cool. But that was a, I mean, he's a rookie and having that kind of lead and such a, there was like so much at stake for him. Like I would have loved to see him win and get three years Mm -hmm. guaranteed on the tour, but I'm confident we'll be seeing much more of him. He looked awesome the first few days. Right. But uh, yeah. And then, you know, the big talk this week with Phil winning is Mm -hmm. kind of that the masters is shaping up, to really have its its favorite names in in great spots, you know, with Tiger showing that he's got something left, Rory's getting it back together. Now you've got Phil with a win, Bubba with a win, DJ's always playing great. Like the the sponsors of the Masters just have to be super happy right now because it's going to generate a lot of attention. Oh yeah, I mean, number one, just Tiger being back in anything like. The, the Valspar Championship has to be <laughs> pretty happy yeah. right now because you don't see a field like this in this tournament all the time. Was, Plus, Tiger just juices things up. Yeah, but was he committed to this one late? I, I feel like he wasn't in it originally and then got in just in time. Yeah, yeah. It was last sometime last week, like I no more than a week ago. He Yeah, like I think he had till Friday. Yeah, yeah. He committed to this week and next week. And I think I mean the clear the obvious reason for that is he wants to be in form for the Masters. Like he's Right. So I mean Tiger we'll probably talk about him in a little, but uh it's mm-hmm. he looked great the last time we saw him and one way or another when he's playing people are watching and it's it's good for the game right 
But yeah, let's uh, let's jump into the Valspar this week's tournament. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the course, Alex. So- All right. <laughs> so uh, we got 2018 Valspar Championship, Innisbrook Resort, the Copperhead course. Um, so it's interesting. We've kind of seen these similar looking courses the past three weeks, starting with uh, it was the haunt, or we saw it, uh, Riviera, the Genesis, and then we had the Honda at PGA National, and and then last week in Mexico where it's right around seventy three hundred yards, so it's nothing. Uh, it's not a short course, but it's not an extremely long course. And what makes all of these courses unique is that they are extremely tight courses with small fairways, and they're more of a an accurate hitter's course rather than a bomber's course. Um, you're going to see some higher scores this week. Um, I would say not quite as high as PGA National. Like, that was a complete disaster for half the guys in the field. It is definitely known to be one. It's it's a higher regarded course that you can't really take lightly. We go from the bear trap to the snake pit. Um, ironically, it's the the last few holes of the course is now the snake pit. Um, the fairways are lined with trees. There's bunkers everywhere. There's a good amount of water. I think you're not going to see quite as many like ridiculously high numbers as we saw at the Honda, but we definitely want someone who's not going to be all over the place. You want guys that can hit the fairway. Again, we're going with the accurate approach stat. Um, As always, putting is big. These are smaller size greens and they're known to be very fast greens. It's kind of an on and off thing, so like we'll see how it's playing this week. But chances, I you you have to go into it looking at like number one accuracy off the tee. You don't want to be in the trees. Number two, you want to be able to set yourself up for approach shots into like the right portion of the green to give yourself makeable putts. We saw that a lot last week with these crazy two or three tiered greens where people were aiming to the left side of the green and the ball will end up on the far right side of the green, that kind of thing. And then, like I said, fast greens, the snake pit is the last three holes that are the, the, the most talked about holes on the course. You got pretty much just, very difficult holes where you really need to pinpoint your shots. Uh, the, the 16th is the moccasin. The 17th is the rattler and the 18th is the copperhead. So it's, it's going to be, you could expect scores to be probably the cut line has been anywhere from, I think one under to four over over the past four years in general, things seem to move up. So, you know, an even par one under was where it would be where I would probably place it at. And then I think the last thing worth noting is that there are five par threes on the course, which you don't see all that often. So you got nine, I think nine par fours, five par threes, 
there might be more whatever there's there's five par threes so that's that sets it apart a little bit so you can look at par three scoring for an added stat if you please all right so you know you, you outlined a little bit about the what's going to play well at this course alex um interesting field as well you know we're going to go through it here um not not quite the huge names we've got accustomed to seeing the last few weeks um and you know it's not going to be the scoring you're used to seeing the last few weeks so let's jump in at the top what do you got in the 10k plus range there's only four names so so give me you know the ones you like yeah so i mean it's pretty easy to name the the headliners here um you know you don't see huge names at this tournament so often but the the top of the pricing tier we'll start with we got jordan spieth rory mcelroy sergio garcia henrik stenson justin rose and then you go down a little bit you got tiger woods that's pretty much the the big of the big names we're talking about here um we've seen most of these guys quite a bit lately tiger we've actually seen i believe this is his fourth event now his third real uh real full field event we've seen him this year so starting up top jordan spieth we we saw last week um I think a lot of people – Jordan Spieth has kind of been going under the radar lately for kind of what he's been doing. You have been hearing so much talk about Justin Thomas and a few other guys out there that I, I'm surprised how little Jordan Spieth has been talked about considering his last three starts have all been top 20s. However – He's top priced on both FanDuel and DraftKings this week. And 11-8 for exactly what he's been doing is, it, it, I mean, it's pretty high up there. Um, with that said, he has very good tournament history. He knows and likes this course. Um, he didn't play here last year, but the prior four years to that, he finished tied in seventh, tied in 20th. First in 2015 and then tied in 18th in 2016. So Jordan Spieth, I have a similar a similar feeling about him this week as I did last week. The thing about last week was he wasn't the top price guy there. You had Dustin Johnson, who was clearly the coming off of a couple wins. He was the defending champion, and it was like if eyes were going towards inexpensive guy it was going to be Jordan Spieth or it was going to be Dustin Johnson last week so so that kind of made you want to go with Jordan Spieth to be a little different last week and he finished 14th it wasn't the worst it wasn't the best he was pretty consistent all week I am still I'm still into him but I don't think he's a must play by any means like I fade him until the Masters like that is totally fine with me. Um, dropping down, the next guy would be Rory McIlroy, who I'd like to hear your opinion on Rory. But I'm still, I'm still pretty much full fade on Rory at this point, um, and I think a lot of people probably will be. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm there too. You know, it's uh, sure he could play great, but. 
if he blows up at, at that price, you know, you're in trouble. The nice thing about Spieth is his one missed cut this year, notwithstanding, he's generally going to get you something. You know, um, same thing with a lot of the other guys up there. It's, you know, it's one of the reasons that Dustin Johnson is usually one of the most expensive players is because he's he's got a great shot to be top 20 and, and earn you points, even if it's not, you know, in the top. Yeah. Yeah, like with with a Dustin Johnson, it's almost like if you're gonna pay up for him, the most the most he's gonna hurt you. Like we saw at the Honda, we saw him have that horrendous first. Like I think it was pretty much his front nine, and like everyone had a panic attack. And then he, yeah, I mean he, he should have missed. Yeah, the cut yeah, and he all, plays himself right means, back but... in there and ends up like top twenty. So it's like, how bad can he hurt you? But. Rory lately has just like not been Rory. He's turning into uh, since he's come back to the PGA Tour events. He's finished eighty fifth, twentieth, and 59th. So I, I can't justify his his price this week. I think yes, he would be a highly contrarian play. I think you could you could definitely get some pretty low ownership on him at the price. So. Like if you want to, you can, but I, I would, I'm not going to endorse Rory McIlroy this week. Um, yeah. The, the one, the one thing I'm, I'm just thinking of here off the top of my head, Alex, maybe you can pinpoint it for me. So the Honda, they were playing yeah. on Poana yeah. greens, right? And then the Genesis, was that Poana as well? Or was the that Genesis? Bermuda? I believe was also Poana, I'm like 85% sure on that. Okay. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just curious because I, I feel like, you know, he, he's put it well uh, in spots. And I'm trying to figure out if there was a link being that, you know, they're, they're on Bermuda grass this week. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I really have. Up, yeah, so right now in the field over his last 24 rounds, Rory is coming in at 81st strokes gain putting. So, again, not not hugely into Rory this week. Uh, I don't think he's going to be very high owned at all. Uh, we have some pretty interesting names right around him, dropping down to Sergio Garcia, who has played the past couple weeks. He played at the Honda. Um, he was consistent in the Honda, and he finished 33rd. And that was his first. That was his first round back in America for the year. So I don't think we had huge expectations for him there. I definitely had I had a piece of him there, and you know that's not all that bad. He's he's been striking the ball well. His putting has also been on and off. It was interesting watching him last week on Sunday. He looked pretty frustrated a majority of the round. Um, he played very well his first three rounds, went 68 or Thursday, Friday, 68, 65. He was right up there. The 65 was big. And then 69, 70 coming in in Mexico. So he's been he's been consistent and 10-9 on DraftKings. He is 12,000 on FanDuel. So same same general range there but i actually really really do like sergio this week um 
my the, the one thing holding me back here would be the higher price but if i had to choose between jordan spieth and sergio or rory and sergio i would i start your lines at sergio i mean it's 10-9 that allows you space and i think there's there's a couple other guys you can drop down to in addition to him um it's interesting like with his it, he won the masters last year he the masters is only three weeks away now so i, I mean there's probably a few different ways you could look at that but do you think you know are you gonna be hoping to win three weeks before the masters or is he just hanging in there and shaping up it's kind of like similar to the question i would put Sergio, Justin Rose, and Tiger Woods, even all in the same kind of bucket. It's like you know they're they're all going to be at the Masters. They're all playing in it. It's three weeks away. They're right. they're here. They're here to stay. Looking at the rest of the field, Sergio clearly stands out, and I think his price is quite reasonable. What do you what do you think on Henrik Stenson? But before I make Stenson, I mean, I think the only the absolute only question I have that everyone probably has with Henrik Stenson this week is the fact he hasn't played in five weeks. He was coming off of right. I, I think it was like a wrist. It was some minor injury. Yeah, yeah. He so he 60th. got that sixtieth, and before. When oh it was for the hero so right before the hero which was in November so that's quite some time away now but there was there was an injury doing some ridiculous European tour photo shoot or commercial shoot of some sort and he had this injury that I think a lot of people faded him in the hero thinking that was like going to severely affect him and then he came out and he played good the first two days he had a terrible third round in the hero. This was at the end of November. It was a super limited field. And it was like, well, like apparently Stenson is fine. And then as far as most people are concerned, he went away for a long time. He came back at the end of January in the Euro Tour, came in 60th, and then took five weeks off. So it's tough, but if you're a numbers guy, he is flat out at the top this week no doubts about it he's my number one rank stat wise he's for the field he's fifth in stroke over his last 24 rounds he's fifth in stroke gain strokes gained approach fourth in strokes gained putting third in fairways gained fifth in bogeys avoided eighth in strokes gained par three like he's just like flat out everything you want on this course is henrik stanza so, I mean, I'm 100% going to have a piece of him. Right. The only question is five weeks off. Like, you know, I don't, I don't picture Henrik Stenson, Henrik Stenson sitting at home on the couch, not playing golf. Like I, these guys, exactly, exactly. Right. Not like so like when people are like, Oh, he might be rusty. <laughs> I, I, I don't usually follow that narrative so closely. So any thoughts on Sergio and Henrik for you? Yeah, so that's so that, that's where I'm at. Is I you know, I think Henrik is he's destined to play well this weekend and I would just rather him than Sergio. 
you know, I, I'm kind of curious on Henrik's ownership, like just because he's the, the least expensive of the big guys, I would think he's going to be a little higher owned, but I don't, my guess is that nobody has a crazy ownership um, this weekend. So um, that's not really going to enter my my train of thought too deeply unless, like I said, on Thursday morning, if I see like Justin Rose is 10% owned, then yeah, maybe I drop down to him. Um, yeah, I think another, another point worth noting, um, course history with both Sergio and Stenson, I think sometimes this is like a huge driver of ownership too. Sergio, we haven't seen players since 2013 when he came in seventh. Henrik has played here the past three years. He came in fourth in 2015, 11th and 16, and then seventh and 17. So like he has on top of just the fact that he's Henrik Stenson and this is clearly a good course fit. You look at his stats, he's gained the most strokes of anyone over his past 12 rounds here. So strokes gained total, he's in number one. DraftKings points, he's number three in the field over the last 12 rounds at Innisburg, Innisbrook. And strokes gained Tita Green, he's second behind only one person. So, Right, it's it's interesting. His He's one of the few people going this weekend that their course history seems indicative to me. Uh there's a train of thought out there that, that says course history isn't predictive at all. Um, you know, eh, it's not something you can prove one way or the other. It's the same thing as saying like in baseball, you know, batter versus pitcher splits are, aren't predictive either. You know, you're never going to be able to prove it one way or the other. Um, yeah. But there are definite outliers and I think he's one of them. Yeah, I think there, there's a, like a major hindsight aspect to this. I feel like every week I go back and I look like, oh, whoever it may be, like uh, someone we hadn't been thinking about a lot lately finished top five. It's like, oh, look at how they played here historically. Like, how did I miss that? And sometimes you don't notice that. So it's one of those things, I think, five weeks. If anything, I think the five-week layoff for Henrik Stenson will hopefully move some people off of him. And if so, that's great because I'm 100% going to have him somewhere. Yeah, yeah, in a few, my few less people. Yeah. All right, so moving down. What, what do we got in the nines? All right, so in the nines, I, I, I'll i actually skip right down there to – there's two people who I can pretty much put in – I guess I shouldn't shouldn't put them in the same basket here, but Paul Casey and Tiger Woods. We have little to no course history on both of them. They're 98 and 95 respectively on DraftKings. Paul Casey we've seen quite a bit of lately, and I think he's, he's been chalky, and I think it's possible that he'll remain chalky, but at the same time, I feel like he hasn't really wowed every anyone so far this year. Not that he really does all that often. He just is like such a consistent DFS play that it's really hard to completely ignore him because he he's one of those guys that like you can at least bank on a top 25 pretty mm-hmm. and be pretty sure about it. So at 9,800, 
his only course history in the past five years has been 2014, and he did not make the cut. He finished 12th last week, and I feel like nobody talked about him because he had a terrible first round, and then he bounced back and looked great and shot 66 on Sunday. So I think he is probably another one of those guys who's shaping up for the Masters, but he's played a few weeks straight. Actually, he didn't play at the Honda, but he's pretty much looked good. It, uh, yeah, I, I like him here for his consistency. You know, you're like you said, it, it, this course is going to eat some people up, and I I don't feel like he's going to be one of them. Yeah, yeah, I think if you can look into ownership projections closer to Thursday morning, and you think that he's going to be under twenty percent owned, go ahead and play him. If you think he's going to be totally at, chalk, still play him in cash. Like, why not? At, at, at ninety eight hundred, I I think he's he's going to be closer to. I think he'll be probably 15 or below percent known. Yeah, that's a good point. He was 8,400 last week, which is – Yeah. I mean, that's why he was – I think, I think the part of it's the field. field. So, you know, it's it's this, this field is, is a bit weaker. Um, and that's probably, you know, driving his odds up, which, you know, DraftKings pricing accounts for. And, and that's part of it. Yeah. Yep. So I guess you got to move down to Tiger Woods here, who I pretty much have all I can say more about him than the last time we talked about him is that he is slowly improving each time he plays, which is why I love the fact that he's going to be here. I love the fact that we're going to see him again, I believe, at Bay Hill, and then we're going to see him at the Masters. So he's trying to get rounds in before the Masters which you have to respect. And quite honestly, watching him at the Honda, it was like the way people were playing, it was another one of those one of those weekends where you could see Tiger shooting a 65 on Sunday and coming back into the top five or making a run for it. So I don't I, – I personally am not – really all that tempted to play him daily fantasy wise, but I 100% do not think you can count Tiger Woods out here. So I'll, I'll jump ahead quickly on something we'll talk about a little later, but his price is 9,700 on FanDuel and it's 9,500 on DraftKings. That's the 20th priced person on FanDuel and the seventh priced person on DraftKings. So I think if you're playing FanDuel, I think Tiger Woods is very much in play. I'd like to know how how it ended up that way. Maybe it was a purposeful thing. Who knows? But uh, I guess that's my take on Tiger. Yeah, you know, for, for me, it's actually kind of reversed. I, I think the low price is going to give – too much ownership on FanDuel where, you know, he is playing better, yes, but he's still a big liability to have a blow up round uh, because he can't figure out one one part of his swing that he's just all, all of it's right now in flux. And if I can get a leg up, you know, knowing ahead of time that I can get a leg up uh, on, you know, a big chunk of the field, even though it's Tiger, I, I would probably do it. Um, Conversely, over on DraftKings, that price is is probably going to keep his ownership down a little bit, and and that's where I might be a little bit interested in a tournament play. 
that is definitely another way of looking at it for sure. I mean, like we talked about a couple weeks ago where you get a lot of people coming in here who are Tiger fans or only golf fans when Tiger is playing. You right. get those that chunk of people in these tournaments out there playing Tiger Woods, you you fade him and he comes in 40th or he misses a cut, bam, you cut 10% of the field, 15% of the field right out of there. And that's that. And I think if if you think his ownership's going to be higher on FanDuel, then you cut an even bigger chunk of the field right out of there. So I I, I can definitely see that train of thought there. Um, Anybody else in the 9K? uh, In the 9K, it's a semi-interesting price range. I think the two people I should mention are Tony Finau and Gary Woodland. Gary Woodland, he's been a, I mean, he's been like pretty amazing for the beginning of the season. And then like last week, he didn't do too much to wow anybody, but it was a world, it was a WGC event and there was a, a very strong field there. He had a pretty poor first round and he started to look a little better. So, I mean, he was quiet. Nobody talked about him all week. I could 100% see him. I Like I said, there's nobody that's going to be crazy high-owned in this field. Like, there normally is. Woodland and Finau are, like, the two people that I'm always, like, chalk, screw it. I'm not playing them. Like, no thank you. And I think, really, both of these guys are in a situation where you think, there's a pretty low chance of them being super chalky makes me want to play them. So I don't know if other people are going to think that way or, or what you you usually have a better gauge on ownership than me. And also with these two guys, how do you feel about Woodland and Fina? I mean, on Woodland, I don't think he's going to be chalky at all. His price is higher than, than you like it to be, you know, in the eights is where you want to play him more. Um, He's got, not a lot of buzz going on at all so far this week. And and since he got that win, he's just like he got the monkey off his back getting a win finally and, and now it's like right back on cuz he's it was a cut and then like a 49th and a 50th. So um he scares me a little too much right now. Finau's got a good amount of tags generated. I think because he's got the ability to win um any tournament he's in and you know that 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 sticks in people's mind, you know. Even though Woodlands won a tournament this season, uh, and Finau hasn't, but you know, Finau can get going. Um, e- even if he's chalky, I- I'm interested a little bit just because of that. Where, um, you know, he-, he starts on a run, uh, I- I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. Finau also came in fifth here last year, uh, following up two missed cuts. So. It, it's, right. it's definitely interesting. I think people might be getting sick of watching him miss like four foot putts, but right, right. It's, it's like a constant sweat with him. So, I mean, I'm never on him and I'm thinking about being on him this week. I'll, I'll leave it at that. So right. hopping down below the nine K price range. I think the first guy we have to talk about is Adam Hadwin, who I think it's, 
pretty agreed upon is going to be Chalky. Uh, yeah, very. He is the defending champion here, and he played last week, and he looked good. And he played the week before that. He didn't play the Honda. He played uh, at Riviera and also looked very good. Like I said, these courses, though they might not be like on a stat sheet, like comp, like exact comps or anything, they are a ball strikers course where you need to be very accurate and you need to place the ball in very specific spots on the course to have to set yourself apart from the rest of the field. And Adam Hadwin has successfully done that in his past two tournaments at two pretty difficult courses. He's been putting fantastically, and he won here last year. So I don't think there's very much arguing with that. However, 8,800 is very – it's just a lot for Adam Hadwin. and yeah, he, He's guy, another guy I'm – I'm happy to let everybody else play uh, and not and fade him because, you know, he's got the win last year, but he's got a 71st and then a missed cut in the other two times he's played it in the two previous years. So it's not like, not like we talked about with Henrik where there there's a trend there that there's something you can feel good about. Uh, I think his win last year was kind of out of nowhere. I, I, I totally agree with that. I think, I think your upside this week is going to come from not playing him, to be honest. Like, okay, there's a chance that he finishes top 10. But right. someone like that, like a name like Adam Hadwin, where people are highly considering him as a potential win, I think that might get in his head a little bit. Like, oh, all right, I won here last year. Let's go do this again. I don't. I personally just do not see it happening, and I I totally agree with that. That I think you can get a leg up on the field by not playing him. It's a similar to him, Tiger Woods. Like if they both go and miss a cut, bam, you got forty percent of the field just like wiped out right there. If you have right. six other guys who happen to be making a run at it, or at least making a cut. And so you mentioned my guy in your article as well, uh, Louis Oosthuizen. Talk to me about him. You know, I I think I'm really like he's he's strangely appealing to me this week. Um, he's been pretty consistent over the past couple of rounds. He played both the Honda and the WGC last week, and. One of the things I noted about him was last week, if it weren't for his 76 in the third round, like he would have been right up in there. Like heading into the weekend, he was looking, he had to be towards the, the at least top five, top 10 or top five. He shot a 64 in the first round. Um, and I think this course will pose maybe a little less trouble then last week, I think his his iron game is like the one thing that's kind of in question here. If he continues to do what he's been doing off the tee, continues putting well, and then straightens those irons out just a bit, that could end up very well for him. I think the one big thing is he missed the cut three years in a row from 2013 to 2015. And then he followed it up with a T7 in 2016. It didn't play last year. So 
seeing how he's been playing, he's only missed one cut this year. It was three rounds ago at, yeah, it was the Dubai. It was after, uh, yeah, 69-71. So we saw a lot of names in that tournament. But at at this price and people that are looking at course history – I think you're going to get him again, just like nobody's going to be that high owned. You'll probably see him at 10% owned and he's 8,100. I think he's a great, I, I'm I'm fully into him this week. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, it, it feels weird saying that I like him a ton for cash with, with some of the spots he's finished. Um, but like you said, the one bad round, he gets that in check and, and he's a really nice cash play. Uh, so anybody else in the eights you feel like we need to mention real quick? All right, I'll just yeah, I'll, I'll mention these two guys at once just to get it out of my system. <laughs> can, can you guess who the two guys I'm about to mention are? <laughs> I would I would bet very many dollars on who these two people would be. <laughs> you tell me, tell me who they are. It's your boy Kucher and Webb. <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> All right. Take it to the bank. <laughs> All right. So, quite honestly, I'm going to treat them as the same person here. And I'm giving them one last shot before the Masters will I'll be straight up back on them. To you, you, you hear that, Matt? You hear that, Web? You, you get your shit together, okay? Alex is backing you. <laughs> I'm staying on them like 8,500 and 8,200. They, once again, they're just the straight ball hitters. Both of them struggled. Kucher has not looked himself. But I don't see him as a guy who's going to go on a long-term slump. And I think people are just going to be so turned off from both of them. Webb Simpson was right up. I What did he do last week? I, I want to say he was... Oh no, he was he played a, he played good on Sunday. That's what it was. So he was he was like, all right, he's kind of in there. He's kind of in there. Okay, no. And Matt Kuzer was one of the guys who like really hurt me early and just never got any better. It was almost like he gave up. And then I think it was like Pat Perez who, yeah, Pat Perez was leading it a little at the end of the third round. He gave me some hope, but uh, I don't want to dwell on that. So. I'm going to leave it at that. Both of these guys, they fit the bill for me for this course. They're going to stay in the fairway. The average Webb Simpson and the average Matt Kuchar, they're going to stay in the fairway and they're going to hit greens. If they can make some putts, they'll be able to set themselves apart. I, I'm i not ready to say either one of them won't be doing that. Specifically, yeah. Matt Kuchar, who is just like straightforward with the course history. It just lines up. So... Yeah. yeah, I you know I think in a cash lineup either guy is probably fine in this price range. I'd be interested in Webb a little bit. I feel like he's a guy that could win more than more than Kucher could. But all right, moving on. Give me uh, give me yeah. some guys down here in the sevens. This is where we need to uh to make some hay. Yeah. So in the sevens, my first my first pick in the sevens will be Jason Duffner. Jason Duffner. I, he might be, I, you know, I just like every day that goes by, I like Jason Duffner even more and more. And I feel like he's been, 
he's returning to form this season. There was there was definitely like a, a time period where Duffner was just not himself. He he went through a divorce. I know that he like his he, Duffner is an interesting person when you when you really look into him. But he has this course specifically. His past five years, 21st, 14th, 24th, 22nd, 11th. That, to me, is trending upwards over the last three years. He was okay last week until Sunday. I almost want to, like, count last week out. We saw him at the Honda where people got eaten alive, and he finished 17th with nothing worse than a 72. Super consistent. His irons have looked great. He's hitting these just like smooth, these smooth as butter approach shots. He's starting to drain pots again. He just has like yeah, a yeah, carefree I feel, I feel golf like swing. I love it. He, he's been playing some really good golf with, with not that much to show for it. So, you know, it, it could get together for him this weekend. I I could totally see it. I would love to see it. I, I need to see Jason Duffner. Like, I, I want to see him win here. Like, if I could, I would, I would put some money just just for the fun of it on on a first place finish for him this week. I, I'll, I'll throw a buck on it for you, Alex. That that would be great. New York State sucks. I just haven't even. I <laughs> stick to DraftKings. <laughs> All right. Um. So I love him, man. The hats too. I mentioned this in my article. He's got some sweet, yeah, sweet hats lately. Go to the article. Check out the Mexico hat. I love that. It's I Heart Max. He loves Mexico, and it's funny that he's not wearing any sponsorships on his hat. I always think that's a badass move when people do that. Ollie Schneider Jans doesn't wear a hat. I think that's awesome. He's just losing himself thousands of dollars. But, hey, I'm sitting here talking about it, and I'm sure other people are too. All right. Who else in the sevens are we looking at? All right. Um I'll mention Zach Johnson real quickly. I've loved Zach Johnson when he's played this week. He has little to no course history over the last five years. He got cut in 2013 and hasn't played since. However, we've seen him a few times this season. He's made six of six cuts. He struggled a little bit at the waste management. He was consistent, but he didn't he didn't really do anything crazy there. Came in 20th of the career builder, and we saw some good finishes before that. I think Zach Johnson is always in play, and 7700 is a very good price for him. Um, on a similar level, I think someone you can catch very low-owned here would be Jason Kokrek. He has been very consistent all year. He finished eighth at the career builder in January and then has had pretty much some top 30 finishes. He hits the ball far, but he's not known to be like the crazy. He's not, he's not smashing it into the woods too often. I think his distance could set him apart from some of these lower price guys here. And this tournament has been known to kind of like, you don't see giant names winning this tournament. Like this is another guy that I could mm-hmm. totally see breaking out for a win here. And I wouldn't count that out at all. He has, he knows the course. He came in 14th and seventh here and 14 and 15. He got caught in 16 and then did not that great in 17, but he's had a good past 12 months and I like him here at 7,700. 
I do you, do you like anyone in the upper 700s because I have a couple in the lower 7000s. So there's a, a guy that's been on my mind lately is Luke List. You know, I, to start the year I had some interest in him cuz some of the courses that that played well for big hitters. And I just didn't pull the trigger on him. Um and and he did decent in, in a couple of tournaments the, the farmers um and, and some other stuff. And then at the Honda, he came in second. Um, you know, didn't play last week, but he comes out and he, he's he's barely went up in price. He's seventy eight hundred on DraftKings, and it's like they're they're daring you to to play him. They're saying like, you know, here it is, seventy eight hundred. He's you know his his last five are a second, twenty six, twenty six, twelfth, and then some cuts. You know, he might be in good form right now. Um, I'm going to play him in some tournaments, see what happens. Yeah, Luke, Luke List, uh, I mean, he was going up against Justin Thomas when, oh, man, in the Honda. It was it was so close. Luke List looked so great pretty much that whole tournament. He was quietly hanging in there the whole time, and then it was him and JT in the final group. And I really thought he was going to take it down. That week, uh, he was in my mind. I he was in my lineups at one point or another, and I ended up completely getting off of him. He he's a bomber. He he crushes the ball. Yeah, he's a big he boy. Yeah, yeah. He he's got some serious distance there. So I'd almost put him in the same boat as I would Jason Kokrak and say his distance is going to help him out here. If he knows when he should be hitting driver and when he should be scaling back to an iron or a hybrid or whatever, I think he could definitely, definitely do well here. And you're right, like his recent form has been very, very good. He came in tied in 27th last year here. So he, he does know the course. He's gotten cut twice in the previous four years. He only played two other times it was 16 and 13 i am definitely definitely not ruling him out here i'd like to know do you have anything on like tags or ownership for him at all take a quick look because if he's if he's going to be lower owned i think he's definitely definitely a good gpp play here i'd say really no matter what he's probably a pretty decent GPP yeah, I mean, play, but only only seven tags, so not a lot. Um, you know, coming off the second, I think people are gonna recognize the name more, so it'll be up a hair. But it's certainly a spot that I'm not afraid uh, ownership wise. Yeah, yeah. See, I think this this seven thousand to eight thousand range is so huge that nobody's gonna be like massively owned like i think there's like a lot of talk going on with cam smith there's a lot of talk going on with maybe jason duffner and i don't think either one of them are going to garner anything over like 15 percent ownership at most gpps if i had to guess but i I definitely I, i like that i like that call all right so i i got my tournament build here alex sitting in front of me i got one spot left $7,400 $7,400 of salary and who's staring me in the face, but our guy Chesson Hadley, <laughs> am I rostering him this week or not? Uh, yes. Yes. I yeah, clicked um, it. He's in. 
done. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, if we're going under 7,500, I think he's he's the one that's right there for me. I think there there's a couple options right at 7,500. I'll name them quickly. Kevin Streelman, Charles Schwartzel, Brant Snedeker. All three of them, I think, fantastic options this week. Charles Schwartzel hasn't wowed anybody as of late, but he has awesome tournament history. Kevin Streelman is like cash game gold this Love week. Cash. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. He won here in 2013. He came in 18th last year. He's consistent. He's not going to hurt you. Kevin Streelman, cash, maybe even GPP, go for it. Charles Schwartzel, I'd stick to GPP here, but he has awesome tournament history. I think he's capable of so much for a 7500 price tag. So you can't count him out either. I'm going to have a piece of him. And then Brant Snedeker, also 7500 A couple things I've heard being talked about him. He's right on that Masters bubble. He's seen the course before. He hasn't played amazing here. But being on that bubble and like Brant back in the world here, he has not really like upset lately i mean the honda wasn't great but you know i like to count the honda out because people got just destroyed by the course so before that it was all it was a couple top 25s and 7500 for brand snedeker i'm i'm still into it like we'll see this week it's another one of those like matt kuchar webb simpson brand snedeker three guys i like three guys everybody knows i like and I'm still not ready to swear off of them. If we see any blow-ups from any three of those guys this week, I'll be off of them for the time being. But they're going in that in that same little category for me. And then Chesson Hadley, he, I think he he disappointed some people at the Honda. It was like a, a hideous performance at the yeah. Honda. If I were, yeah, yeah, seventy four, seventy eight. That's. That's gross, but like I said, Honda, count it out, bam, gone. I'm back on him. 7400 is so cheap, and if we're right about this price range with no ownership really being that high, I'm fully into Chesson Hadley. All right. Is there anybody you have as a scrubby paydown? Scrubby paydowns. Charlie Hoffman, 7300 He's played the course a bunch of times. He came in 11th here in 2016, 25th, and 2014. Charlie Hoffman is always capable of a lot, but he's also always capable of quite the opposite. We've seen him at this price range a lot this season. I think for 7300 he's always a good tournament play. Anything under eight thousand for Charlie Hoffman, like seventy eight hundred and lower, I would say, for Charlie Hoffman is like he's a legitimate tournament play pretty much anywhere. So I like him here. He's very familiar with the course, and he's performed well here too. He missed the cut last year, but I'm into him. Three names I'll name very quickly at the seventy one to seven thousand range. The coming in very high up on my model is Chris Kirk, sixth overall. Uh, he missed the cut here last year. He's been playing better, and he he he's another guy that could like very quickly go either way. You could see him. I, it's extremely hard to predict with him. And then Keegan Bradley at seven thousand. 
is just like ridiculous, ridiculously cheap for him on DraftKings. I mean, I think people are attracted to him like almost every week because it's like, who's going to fall straight into my lineup this week at this like low, mid, low to low range? Oh, Keegan Bradley, I know him. He's good. He's won things before. Let's play Keegan. And I see that a ton. Like when people start sharing their lineups with me on Wednesday and Thursday, I see Keegan Bradley so often. And there's never really an argument to like make against it. So he's worth mentioning at this price. All right. So let's let's talk a little bit of pricing difference between DraftKings and FanDuel. You said you found some, some notable names in there. Yeah. All right. I yeah. I can fire through these really quick. I know we're low on time here. Um, yeah, so, guys to play on DraftKings that popped for me. Uh, Matt Kuchar is ten six on FanDuel, eight two on DraftKings. That's the eleventh top guy on FanDuel and the seventeenth on DraftKings. So if you're gonna play him, DraftKings is a strong option for him. Grant Snedeker, similar to that, only an even larger discrepancy here. He's 10-5 on FanDuel, 7-5 on DraftKings. That's number 12 and number 31 DraftKings. Charles Schwartzel, similar, 98 FanDuel, 75 DraftKings. That's the 19th top guy on FanDuel and the 31st on DraftKings. So it's another DraftKings guy. And then Keegan Bradley and Ben Martin are both they're 42nd and 52nd respectively on FanDuel at 9,800 and then 75th and 87th position on uh, DraftKings at 7,600. So I think Keegan Bradley and Ben Martin are two good punts on DraftKings, um, especially when looking at their pricing on FanDuel. Um, on the other side of that, you got Ryan Moore, who has had some very good tournament or course and tournament history. He's 9,700 on FanDuel, 9,100 on DraftKings. That's 20th top on FanDuel and 9th top on DraftKings. So FanDuel Ryan Moore is very interesting. Tiger Woods, like we talked about earlier, interesting on FanDuel. Cam Smith, a guy we didn't touch on earlier, but is definitely interesting and may garner some ownership this week. It's 9,400 on FanDuel, 8,000 on DraftKings, 27th top on FanDuel, 19th top priced on DraftKings. Uh, That leads towards rostering him on FanDuel. And then my final one will be Ali Schneiderjans. He is 9,200 on FanDuel. 7,700 on DraftKings. That's 36 and 24 on FanDuel and DraftKings. And you would have to lean towards playing him on DraftKings. All right, good stuff. Um, like I said, running low on time. So I'm just going to really quick throw some of the tags out uh, that we're seeing on FanShare. If you want to get uh, specific ownership, stuff gets tightened up better on Wednesday um, throughout the you know throughout the day into Thursday. Give, a, give me a shout in, in the, the Slack chat um, at me and uh, you know let me know the guy you're thinking about and what you're concerned with, with is on ownership, and I'll give you probably a better number. But quick rundown, top tags of the week so far. Adam Hadwin coming in at 28. Like I said, that's a fade for me. 
you know, w- w- with the volatility that I think he's likely to have. Um, then you got the the next group of big price guys: Spieth, Stenson, Finau, Garcia, all right there in, at about twenty, twenty two tags. Um, and everything's pretty spread out so far. No, nobody's blowing up. Um, Charles Schwartzel has sixteen. Uh, Duffner has 15, you know, th- these aren't big numbers. Um, and and no, nobody's ownership is, is looking outrageous so far. So um, I wouldn't be overly concerned with ownership this week. And then uh, to wrap up, Alex, let's, uh, let's throw some darts. Go ahead and give me uh, a few names that, that you think have a shot to win this thing. All right. So like we talked about earlier, uh, our usual GPP dart play is a, a comeback player, um, someone who missed the cut. So we don't really have that option this week as there was no cut last week. But I'm going to go throw out the name Chez Reeve, who, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you could probably put him in my Matt Kuchar, Webb Simpson yeah. <laughs> category there. But 7900 for what this guy's done this season, I think – like going off your ownership point that no one's going to be highly owned this week. Like, I don't think we have any chalk of the chalk. I'm Chez is, I think he's a very good play this week. I think definitely tournament worthy. Um, Matt Kuchar is the other one on my list who I know we've talked about already, but almost guaranteed he's going to be low owned. He's been in terrible recent form, but the course and his history they they make up like miles for me. I'm totally down to play him. He's only 8,200. Go right ahead. And the last name I'll name at 7,100 is Dominic Bazelli, friend of the pod, who came in third here last year. He's actually been in very good form too. Nobody, I repeat, nobody is going to play him. You're going to get him under 5% owned. Nobody ever talks about him, which still blows my mind because he has plenty of good finishes. He played great here last year, only 7,100. Definite GPP play. Don't don't go playing him in cash, and don't go complaining to me when he doesn't make the cut. But I am yeah, totally I, into throwing I think Alex, what, what Alex is trying to say is he guarantees your money back if you don't cash using Dominic Bazzetti. <laughs> Yeah, just because I beat him when I was seven years old. <laughs> All right, yeah, so no, so for me, yeah. um, first guy on my list, Ryan Moore. You talked about him a little bit with good course history. Uh, at his price, ninety one hundred, I think he's going to be pretty under owned. He he's he's good at this course. Um, he, he you know, he's in decent form so far this year. Uh, I think a guy that has a shot to actually win this tournament guy on my list is a guy who's won both the Sony Open and the John Deere Classic in the past. And I saw something that had said, you know, a lot of winners of the Valspar tend to come from one of those previous wins. And a guy who's won both is Zach Johnson. We talked about him a little bit. Um, I like that. Another guy who uh, stands out there is Jordan Spieth, by the way. (laughs) Maybe I need a Spieth Johnson lineup. Um, and then last guy for me uh, as a comeback play, Brian Armour. Not playing great right now, uh, 
But we're getting back to Bermuda grass, and he gains about a stroke and a half on Bermuda grass. Um, he's in the top ten for for expected stroke gains, strokes gained on Bermuda grass. Um, he's dirt cheap. Uh, he's hurt some people recently, so his ownership's going to be like one one or two percent. Um, can't go wrong there if you're looking for a little bit of stars and scrubs. I like it. All right, so that's uh, that's all the time we got this week. Uh, everybody, take care at home. I'm going to be battening down the hatches for uh, a foot to a foot and a half of snow coming here. Uh, so if you can't get me on Slack, it's because I have no electricity. Bomb cyclone round three. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but uh, everybody out there, good luck and uh, get cash. And Alex, have a good weekend. Yes, you guys too. Good luck. See you on the Slack chat. Uh, And uh, make some money this week. Mm